Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kim G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 6, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book about Alcoholics Anonymous. We'll be starting in the forward to the second edition on page XIX, the first full paragraph, which is starts out as, as we discovered the principle. Today's readers are, for the steps, Nancy S., for the traditions, Joanne L., and reading the text will be Renata, Chelsea, and Rakefit. The reference number for Sunday for our special edition, October 5th, 2014, is 6933. That's 6933. OA Preamble. Other Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting for our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Out of vision for you, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Kim, and thank you for your service. This is Nancy F., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Um, number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Joanne. I will now ask Joanne, I'm Nancy, sorry about that, Nancy. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Thank you for your service, Kim. This is Joanne L. in New Jersey. 
uh, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joanne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XIX in the forward to the second edition, and that first paragraph as we discovered the principles. I will ask Renata to begin reading. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. As we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues, our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible 
organizations, even in our service centers. Our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. And in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliance, or enter public controversies. This was the substance of AA 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 561 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held in Cleveland, at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. Um, you know, they said we had to evolve principles by which AA group and AA as a whole could survive effectively. So they had to survive effectively, not just survive, not just get by. They know the responsibility they were carrying. You know, they have found the solution for alcoholism. And they wanted to make sure that AA groups were unified into carrying the message of recovery, carrying the answer. Uh, they knew that there were lives that depended on that. So I want to read the two first paragraphs on page 561. It says that very clear. To those now in its fold, Alcoholics Anonymous has made the difference between misery and sobriety, and often the difference between life and death. AA can, of course, mean just as much to uncounted alcoholics not yet rigid. Therefore, no society of men and women ever had a more urgent need for continuous effectiveness and permanent unity. We alcoholics see that we must work together and hang together, else most of us will finally die alone. So, you know, they created the 12 traditions to make sure that no personal interest would prevail, but AA's interest as a whole, that, you know, that would help AA survive effectively. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Renata. And who would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Oh. Oh. Well, there's somebody behind you. Who's, who's behind Larry? Janice. Okay, Larry and then Janice. Go ahead, Larry. Hey, Kim. Thanks so much for your service. Larry, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, so, yeah, they, you know, what pops out to me here is, you know, I'm reminded that, that first, um, you know, my life was transformed, uh, like what Renata read, you know, from misery and in my case, certain death, you know, that, that's, that's the direction I was going, to joyfulness and, and a, an abundance of life filled with, with God, with my higher power. And, and I know that OA can just, you know, can, can mean just as much to others who have not yet been reached, um, because that was me before I got here. So we needed traditions that ensured our continuous effectiveness and unity. And devoid of these traditions, it's, you know, it's possible that we would either splinter off into, you know, ineffective, uh, small, little, cliquish kind of groups, or worse, you know, we'd fall off the scene altogether. And, and that would be tragic. That would have been tragic for me if I had nowhere to go. 
you know, when I was uh, when I was dying. Um, so, you know, the genius for me in in the twelve traditions is that we're provided with kind of a roadmap of how to, to best fun function effectively and how to stay intact and survive. And so, you know, for example, you know, tradition number one says, you know, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon um, OA unity. So, you know, for me, when someone, you know, who's giving her a measurable time, um, you know, calls on me to serve, you know, there's only one answer. Uh, with pleasure, of course I'm going to serve. You know, because I know in Tradition 5 that each group has one, but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the, the alcoholic who still suffers. We, we have these traditions as foundation so that we can continue on. And, um, you know, the traditions didn't mean a whole lot to me when I was still practicing my disease, you know, sort of on the periphery of program. The traditions took on a whole new meaning for me personally once I had moved through these steps, and as the result of moving through these steps, I had uh, a complete spiritual transformation, a complete psychic change. And now um, I want this thing to stay intact and to be effective and to, to function properly so that other people can have the same experience. The traditions are critically important to me today. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Larry. And Janice, you're up. Yes, thank you, Kim G. And uh, good morning, everyone. My, everyone, my name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, this is, is, is so important to hear. First of all, it says, we discovered. Now, who are we? Don't forget, we are the ones that have already recovered. So they're transformed from a, a self-centered person to a selfless person. Now, principles, how did we do that? The principles that we who are recovered abide by are the principles of personal, you know, for you and I, individual. Those are the 12 steps. That's for individual recovery, to get recovered. Now, they found, like we, we read the other day, erstwhile alcoholics, you know, us compulsive overeaters, once one one wants to be the boss, the other one doesn't get, you know, uh, resentful, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so they had to come up with um, uh, some more codes of behavior, which is a principle. And that's how the traditions were started. And it was about, I think, 16 years after the first, you know, recovery. Now, the traditions, very simple, the traditions are to govern, quote, unquote, the group, you and I and all of us here at the Vision for You. We, we abide by the principles of, like it was said, unity and trust and autonomy and identity, and there's a whole list. And we have to because it's for the group. The individual counts, but it's for the group that we all cooperate, you know, because we have one purpose in mind. And um, we work as a group. We work democratically, whereas the steps are for you and I individually. So, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful, I mean, it's ingenious how these codes of behavior came so that we can all cooperate and, and work together. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Daniel. And who else would like to comment on these two paragraphs? 
This is Bella. Can I share? I heard someone right before you, Bella. Who is that? Rakefet. Rakefet. And is there anybody else? Uh, this is Rachel calling from Israel. Okay, we'll have Rakefet, Bella, and then and Raquel. So Rakefet, Bella, Raquel. Go ahead, Rakefet. Um, thank you. My name is Rakefet. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And this is amazing. This is an amazing organization that really does live by principles. I, I, it's, it's just unfathomable. When I came to OA over 15 years ago, 16 years now, I, I, I wasn't concerned at all with who was running the meetings, how the meetings were run. You know, I, I just, my head was so um, combobulated with all what was going on. And so, you know, I concentrated on my personal recovery and I could see people that were living according to principles that I laid down in the big book. And as as I got more and more comfortable, I also started seeing how the organization was run. And I was just so blown away how we really do try and live by the principles set down for the organization. They parallel the principles to, to um for an individual and I learned so much just from watching how the, the people could live according to the principles of twelve steps and how the organization could could run according to the twelve traditions it, it was so amazing to me and so um I was in awe actually I was really really in awe and i I, I heard what I really heard was a code of ethics. I heard a code of ethics that we, we tr- which we can live by and which the organization can run by, a code of ethics. And I, my whole life, wanted to live according to a code of ethics. I pretended I did. I, I tried to. I wanted to. But I was just a lying, stealing, cheating food addict. That's all I was. And I really, I looked good on the outside, not not good physically, but I looked like I was doing the right thing, that I was living with integrity, but I had no integrity. I knew inside myself I had no integrity. I was doing things that were wrong. I was harming others just because I was selfish. I wanted things for myself. But coming to OA and and looking at examples of how individuals live with integrity and then how the group is conducted with integrity that's what I wanted. I really wanted to have integrity in my life. I wanted to have a code of ethics that I could live by. And that's what the 12 traditions, I mean, the 12 steps taught me. And the 12 traditions were just another example of how that can work, that it can really be true. It doesn't have to be just a bunch of words. They really do conduct the, the, the um organization according to the 12 traditions with incredible integrity. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thanks for Kefit. And Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Kim, for doing this service and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Yes, wow, I love these paragraphs that we read today. And there are some very empowering words uh, as we discover the principle. Yes, we are we. It's a we program and it's new principles for me. Principle, it's a new way of 
thinking, new way of new things to believe. And the way I believe, this is the way that I will behave. And uh, yes, now that I am in the program, thank God, I changed some ways of belief. And now because I changed my beliefs, I changed my behavior. And one of the principles, one of my different way of belief is that our leaders might serve but never govern. Yes, it's a we program. It's not a program of a teacher, a student, or therapist, and a patient. We are here all together. We are here to share, to share our experience, strength, and hope. Yes, thank you, God. Now I can accept and admit that I am... I have, I am human and I have my limitations. I don't know everything all the time. Yes, and I can learn. I can learn from others and others can learn from me. Before this principle, I was all the time jealous because I thought and I believed that everybody knows better than me or I know everything. So why I am doing mistakes? I know everything all the time. Oh, so most probably you are better than me because you never did mistakes. You know everything. So I was a kind of not secure, jealous and angry, and pretty much selfish. Now this, pro this program, thank you, God, we are all the same. We are all have opportunities to learn from each other, to, to learn from other people's experience. And we are here to do service, but not to teach. And it's such a wonderful freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Raquel, you're up. Yeah, hi. Hello, Kim. Thank you for your service and everybody on the line, my brothers and sisters in this disease and in this recovery. It's so nice not to be alone. Um, I wanted to share on, on this uh, paragraph that we read about traditions that it was kind of humorous of Bill in one of the, in one of the grapevines. He said that at the beginning... They were all busy saving the precious program from each other. Everybody thought that the other guy is going to ruin it if things are going to be done his way. And so when the traditions were formed and, and with big upheavals and, and, and big fights, um, everybody thought that they, they, you know, their idea is better about how this will work. But I've, I, I personally am convinced that from the beginning, God was holding Bill's hand. I'm sorry, I, I do get so moved with it. I haven't led groups in a long time, but just last week I had, uh, I fell into a group that there was no leader, and they know that I have years and, and years. We, we have started now with, a, with a, a big book study group. So they asked me, and, and I agreed, but... I had to say before, now speaking about traditions, I said to them, God help me, once in a while I get a tone, 
as though I'm preaching, and I'm asking your forgiveness from the beginning. It's only because I am so excited about this program, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings who are doing it differently. If they succeed, God bless them. But I know now that this book is holding the truth for me and for you in both ways, the individual program, the steps, and the, and the incredible traditions through which this program has survived from 1939 to 2014, and hopefully it will keep on just flourishing and, and, and getting better and better. And as far as the food, you know, we're reading the AA book, the Alcoholics Anonymous, but as far as the food um, addiction, we have an awful lot to do until the rest of the world will join, never mind the Lasker Award, but just to acknowledge that we are just one segment of, of this society for whom it doesn't help if, if they are introducing foods that are for me and for them, for us, um, um, a drug, and that it's different. It's a different ballgame than, uh, than, than all the other um, diets and diet clubs. If anybody is helped by them, God bless them. But, but in order to continue surviving, I must have the humility and all these good qualities of these principles to, and to, to keep on giving the little bit that I have without, without causing such upheaval that people will not want to look at it. But the first thing people ask me is how much, out in the street when I talk to someone. So how much does it cost and who is running it? We are running it, and all it costs is to give with love what I received with so much love from other people in the States and here in, in Israel. So uh, with that, I pass a good day for everybody. Thanks, Raquel. And would anyone else like to comment before we move on to the next paragraph? Yeah, could I say something? And your name? Shoshana T. Shoshana, go right ahead. Thank you. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm listening and this is really what, I'm just starting out. But what this means to me is that if everybody is here to do service and 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 not to govern, that means that in the end it's it's all designed like I'm a beginner, so I'm a little selfish, to help me serve myself. <laughs> and also it makes me feel safe. Instead of, you know, just I'll pass. Thanks, Shoshana. Anyone else before we move on? Okay, then Chelsea, could you read the next paragraph, please? Hi, Kim. Thank you for your service. I'm Chelsea, I'm a recovered compulsive reader for today. While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were be- being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons, the large numbers of recovery and reunited homes. These made their impressions everywhere. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up for some, after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. 
Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. And I'm still Chelsea, and I'm grateful to be recovered for today. This is the statistics of the results of um, the fellowship from when it from 39 to 55. The information that they were able to give out as to what happened when people actually really tried to do the program. It said 50% really tried. They actually did the work. And then with this 25% who sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder who stayed, who actually stayed there, I guess just by being around, it showed some improvement. And then it also speaks to the thousands that came and left, but the food beat them back in because it says um, two out of three came back. So this um, talk where it talks about the public accepted it, the public became accepting because of the recoveries, the results. So the statistics bore out what happened with the public and how it was accepted, which was probably important because there were a lot of people who had um, gotten into this organization, 8,000, I think it talked about in, uh, by the end of 41, by the close of 41, there were 8,000 members. And this is why the traditions had to be brought into the picture because there were a lot of chiefs, no Indians. So you had, to, and I don't mean that in a bad way to anybody who's of Native American ancestry. Um, what I'm saying is that the concept is you had all these different personalities that were being placed before the principles. So in order to get these type of results, to have the legitimacy for the public acceptance, to have the membership grow, there had to be um, certain rules put in place. And then once they saw the results, people were convinced that this was just not some fly-by-night thing that was, um, this was serious business, that people, families were reunited, homes were put back together. These were drunks, who low bottoms, who were out there just running havoc all over, in and out of sanitariums. But they had 50% that got sober at once. But the key there is that the results for that was that they really did try to do the work. And my experience um, is that I was one of these part of the statistics who um, was in and out of the rooms, really, beaten back in by the food and dealing with um, different fellowships that um, had no accountability or lack of accountability. The, the love them to death mentality in there. I, I again, I didn't know what I didn't know, and the whole diet and group support thing. I was well indoctrinated into that, but it wasn't until I actually walked through the process what that fifty percent did that got sober and remained sober. It wasn't until I did walk through the entire process that I was able to be part of the statistics of the results. And that's contingent upon me keeping up and working with others to see to it that I remain in that um, state of recovery. So the whole um, part about this now is the internal difficulties of their adolescent period, the personalities, growing pains. Any family has growing pains. So once the internal things got straightened out, they were able then to get public acceptance, and that was based on the results. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks for your service, Kim. Thank you, Chelsea. And who else, who would like to comment on the paragraph we just read? Sarah W. Anyone else besides Sarah? 
Okay, Sarah. Patty? You? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Who was that? Patty? Say it one more time. Patty? Patty, okay. Sarah and then Patty. Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, good morning, Kim. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody, and a vision for you. Thank you for being here for me today. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, and I am grateful. Um, I was looking at the the paragraph and um, thinking of how this is off. This is really like a vision for you in a lot of ways because the reasons why we're getting all these numbers are because of the recoveries that are going on, and because of the different attitudes and different um, ways of living that we are going on that are going on in our lives uh, that we are having healthier and happier. Uh, lives in our home lives and everywhere else and that keeps people coming back and and keeps people um, attracted to our program um, and I you know I was thinking to myself how uh, you know my my issues were that I was <laughs> I was basically presenting myself as an adolescent in my whole life. Um, you know, basically, you know, if you think about a teenager and I'm raising a couple of them in my home, uh, you know, very self-absorbed, uh, wanting my way, um, demanding personality, and uh, not really willing to um, look at other people's point of view but pointing lots of fingers at other people. And that... Um, that is uh, a lot of the reasons why I had all these internal difficulties. <laughs> uh, you know, food is but a symptom of my problem. My problem is really the way I view life and the way I view myself and other people. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful today, uh, as as was stated by Chelsea so beautifully, you know, um, the sincerity. It, it says right there um, that, those who really tried to recover had such a great um, uh, uh, percentage of um, of reaching that place where they had success. And I think that's what it goes back to when I think of um, in, in the um, first edition where it says at the end of it, the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. You know, I think so many of people that come into the program just want to keep eating like they do and then, you know, lose the weight and then they'll be done. And if we really look at it, most of us come in with a lot of other issues besides the food. I mean, food is but a symptom. You know, most of us come in, we're angry, we're resentful, we feel very isolated and alone. And this program and living uh, a 12-step way of life really does allow us to find freedom and peace and happiness. And why wouldn't people want that? And I think that's the thing that, that we get in this, in this particular meeting of A Vision for You, that you know, it is an OA meeting. It's an OA meeting period. But what it has is it has the idea that we are working the steps to get to the place where this is what our program is. It's a 12-step program. And it really works so beautifully. And it's just putting one foot in front of the other. I just wanted to share that I was able to walk through, um, in, in a sense, a stepping up ceremony this morning with a person I sponsored, a third step, 
ceremony, and it was just beautiful, uh, although over the phone. But, you know, those are the gifts of the program, just one of the many. And also, my home is reunited. I'm not insane anymore. Uh, Well, at times, maybe a little bit, but not that much. Much, much better. So, so grateful today, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Patty, you're up. Thank you. This is Patty, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from California. And I would like to comment about the large number of recoveries in reunited homes. And um, I did not see a lot of recovery in the rooms of OA. And um, I, you know, continued to go. I continued to work the steps, uh, the tools, not the steps. And um, every time I relapsed, I just was told, work the tool harder, call more people, do this, do that. No one suggested the, the, the steps. And once I got on this line and I saw so many recovered people, uh, it gave me hope. And I got a sponsor and was taken through the steps. And I really tried. I tried 100%. In fact, I didn't try. I did it. I just did it. And um, I got abstinent at once. And I remain that way now. And that's such a miracle. I could not get abstinent and stay that way and not want the food. That is the biggest um, benefit. Today, I do not want the food. And I was always wanting the food, even when I was abstinent before. So, um, and I see on this line, at least 50% of the people, you know, are abstinent, at least, if not more. And... um, you know, it says here that 50% got sober at once, 25% sobered up after some relapses, and those who stayed on showed improvement. Um, you know, I think that uh, the improvement and thousands, it says thousands, came to a few meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program, but many of these came back. And because they were beaten down by alcohol, they came back. And... Um, You know, food is our best persuader. If we keep eating, the misery and the discomfort will eventually bring us to a point that we will be willing to go to any length. So I am so grateful for this program and for this meeting, and thank you so much for letting me uh, share I pass. Thank you, Patty. And who else would like to comment on the paragraph read? Hi, this is Paula. May I comment? Go right ahead, Paula. Well, we'll start first with a thank you. Gratitude is always the best way. And I am Paula D. Recovered, recovered compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. And I want to scoot on down to these last couple of lines here. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. Well, I guess I would be there among the thousands. At first, I decided, this isn't for me. But look at what it says on the next line. But, so disregard that how many times. But great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as time passed. Why did they return? There was no other way. I finally had to come. I did my trying. I went out there. I'm not saying it was wrong. But that part, they came back. They saw something. 
this is where the difference is. What did they see? Yes, did they see the love? Did they see the compassion? But did they see how you walked tall now and you came to that place? I am a compulsive overeater. I know. I remember. I don't want to forget. But the coming back, it is by what they find. They hear. It isn't I don't tell them what to do. I just say what I did. You bet I read the big book. You bet I went to the meetings. I continued to go. In each meeting I found something. But that part of coming back, what they're coming back to, it just really puts it in a whole different light, doesn't it? At least for me it did. Wide in my circle didn't make it smaller. I want to say thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share. That I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And who would like to share next? I would like to share. Leia. And your name? Yes, my name is Vasa. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Vasa. We have Vasa, and then I heard Leia behind Vasa. Was there someone I missed? Okay, we'll go Vasa and then Leia. And Thank Rochelle. You. Thank you, Vision, for you. I am recovering compulsive overeater. It was really, uh, it was uh, when I heard the only requirement to stay in the program was to have the desire to stop eating and also didn't cost anything. If I had like a dollar to put in the basket and that was still okay, if I didn't, then I didn't have to put the dollar in. And with all the with all the things that I had done over the years that cost money, I felt relieved. Oh, my goodness, you know, it doesn't cost anything. But anyways, for me, I came to for the vanity. I said, I'm just going to come, I'm going to lose the weight, and I'm going to leave. And I am just so, so grateful that I stayed, you know, in the program. And, again, I started with the big book many, many, 28 years ago, and it gave me so much hope. It's as yet. This is the answer. If you just follow this, the requirements that we read in the big book, that this is the prescription. This is what we need to do. And at that time, there was nothing more that I wanted than to stop eating the way I was, I was eating. And thank you, God, that God took that weight off. It's not because of my own doing. God gave me what I could not do that I tried to do for 25 years in my life. It was a miracle that I could go from one meal to the next for one day. I didn't eat. I didn't reach for those foods that were toxic to me. And it was because I surrendered to God. I said, God, I cannot do this anymore by myself. Please help me. And then I used the steps gradually, one by one, feeling the hopeless, the powerlessness, the dying. I was dying. I didn't think I was going to see my 45th birthday, and I was about 41 years old when I came to the program. And <clears throat> my motivation was, please, God, help me. I had a child. He was only two or three years old. If I keep on going, this child is not going to see his mother and I was beginning to develop all kinds of serious problems, diabetes, hyper. You know, I came for the physical, for the, again, for the physical. But thank you, God, I, it's a threefold disease. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I never left, and I had friends that left, 
and some of them came back, some of them are still out there, and some of them, um, one of my friends says, when I lose the weight, I'm going to come back, She was ju- she's just too ashamed, and you know what, I probably would have done the same thing, oh, let me just wait, lose the weight before I go back, because I'm too ashamed for them to see me that I went back into the food addiction, but thank you again, Kim, I think your name is Kim, for being the leader for this meeting. And I just came back to the vision because I was just doing other things too, but I'm so happy to be back at this meeting. It's for me. That's where I started, and I want to continue. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And Leah, you're next. Thanks so much, Kim. Good morning, everybody. I'm Leah M., recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, While the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out, public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds. For this, there were two principal reasons, the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes. Obviously, we're getting an overview here of the... uh, you know, the development of AA and its attraction and how, uh, you know, it <laughs> that spark just continued to uh, grow. And it was because that drink problem had been solved. You know, these men and women were uh, were recovered. That obsession of the mind, that mental twist, you know, had been driven out, and these men and women were getting recovered uh, from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and of course, their families were being reunited, and of course, they were able to contribute then uh, back in the workplace and back in their communities, you know, so God didn't just give them a piece of a new life or a part of a new life. God was giving them a whole new life. (laughs) That's why the big book uses the word reborn because each step rebuilds these relationships relationships with self relationships with others relationship with god so recovery is about the building of these relationships and the 12 steps were the guide for these people on that road you know this book was penned in 1939 (laughs) aa works a hundred percent of the time it's not that aa doesn't work it's not that these 12 steps can't be applied to compulsive overeaters like you and i these 12 steps work a hundred percent of the time in 1939 they penned that page uh, and those words that say rarely have we seen a person fail and that's as true today as it was then except to get to the punchline you got to read further You have to read the rest of that statement. Rarely have we seen a person fail that has thoroughly followed our path. These men and women who had recovered had thoroughly followed that path. And that's why people, uh, you know, recovered, and that's why those of us who are on this line who thoroughly followed that path also had that same result. And that result is available today. (laughs) Uh, You know, with compulsive overeaters and other addictions, obviously, although the answer is available, you know, people are oftentimes reluctant to do anything about it. Uh, You know, even though there's suggestions here and directions here given to arrest this disease and to enable uh, folks to start a whole new life, we have no no enthusiasm to pursue that. You know, we want it to happen by magic, and that was true for me, too, until I got beaten to a state of reasonableness. 
But we don't have to sing and dance for newcomers. You know, the title page in this book starts off very clearly how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. And that was the attraction, the recovery. People were recovered. And the big book constantly, consistently uses that word recovered because the word shows that it is a complete change in one's attitude. It's the advertisement to the compulsive overeater and to the alcoholic who still suffers that we no longer have the illness we used to have. You know, obviously, it's uh, you know a daily reprieve contingent on our our spiritual condition. But I just want to you know stress the point that AA grew by leaps and bounds because there was something that was attractive, and that something was recovered. And that truth can be seen in OA as well. <laughs> it really, really can. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And who else would like to comment on the paragraph? Oh, I can comment. Who's this? Rochelle, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead, Rochelle. Well, it's it's very hard to follow Leah. She is so eloquent, and she said a lot of things that I had in my heart. So I'll just be very brief. Um, I'm really grateful. I am just so grateful that one day a neighbor came over, and she had lost 40 to 50 pounds, and I, I couldn't get over it. And I asked her what she had done, and she said, oh, A. And I always thought that OA was a bunch of weirdo people in, in church basements, uh, you know, sharing their misery. And I didn't think it was for me. So I, I am so delighted that that for personal reasons I decided to, to try it one more time and uh, found a group of people. I also still thought they were weird, but I stuck in there. And, uh, and I found out I was one of the weird ones also because I had the same malady. And uh, thank God I stuck long enough to to discover a, um, a sponsor and who beat me to a pulp about, yeah, I do have an unmanageable life. So she had to deal with my ego. And uh, and I'm so glad that I stayed beyond that and I, I was able to get absent easily, which is a real gift. And then from there it was for a while it was just plain old abstinent and uh, even though I had quickly read the first 160 pages, uh, approximately, of the big book, it didn't. It was just like doing speed reading, you know. So it really didn't make much of an impression, other than one more assignment. Okay. And besides, there was so much to do: weigh my weigh my food, and go to meetings, and make phone calls, and whatever. But the bottom line is, at some point, it. Um, I, I have to use the word I think bottomed out. Namely, I felt my recovery was not deep enough. And at that point, I stopped taking on sponsees, and I just used that point as a turn, try to internalize what's going on here. Why aren't I getting any deeper? And a, and a dear friend said to me, why don't you try a vision for you? And that was uh, the beginning of a really vibrant period in my life, which is continuing even now. So I am so, so grateful because I do a lot more service now, and, and the service is really that just boomerangs on me. By that, I mean it turns back to me. And, and increases my recovery and my dependence on my higher power, which is just an amazing thing. And I've been able to witness recovery going on in my sponsees, and it's just an amazing way of life. So with that, I thank you all. I pass. Thank you, Rochelle. And I'm going to jump in here before we close up. Uh, my name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. 
And, uh, you know, these statistics are absolutely amazing. And, and I uh, attend AA meetings even though I'm not an alcoholic um, because I need to hear this pure message. But I have to tell you, they don't have these statistics today either. You know, they claim about 10%. We're lucky if we can claim 2 or 3%. And, you know, and why is that? You know, we have to look at what is the focus of our meetings. Is the focus of our meetings carrying this message? Or is the focus of our meeting carrying the tools? Is the focus of our meeting carrying this message? Or is the focus of the meeting carrying a food plan? Is the focus of this meeting carrying the message? Or is the focus of this meeting group support? I'll love you till you love yourself. Don't quit till the miracle happens and all these, these canned um, sayings. You know, because I, I, one of the things I really realize now is I can't tell you how many times I was in a meeting and someone would not come back and we would just say, oh, they didn't want it enough. That's the problem. They didn't want it enough. So I think we have to ask ourselves, I ask myself individually, I, have, I look at my meetings and I look at my inner group. Is it that they didn't want it enough or did they get the true message? Are we adequately representing what the solution is? You know, I think a lot of times people think a vision for you is a faction of OA. A vision for you is simply an OA meeting. What is the power of this meeting? Is that we focus on the solution. When someone comes in to a Vision for You meeting and someone comes into my home group, they hear the hard truth. They hear the truth that if you are a compulsive overeater like me, if you suffer from this two-fold illness of allergy to the body, obsession of the mind, you are going to have to follow this path, these directions, or you will die. And that is a hard message to give, but it's the message that they carried back then and it's the message that allowed them to get a 75% recovery rate. So just to give an analogy, sometimes what I feel happens in, in meetings is as if a child has signed up for soccer camp, and they go into soccer camp, and suddenly someone's teaching them how to do a layup or how to do a three-point shot or a free throw, which is basketball. And the kid might learn some good skills, but he came to soccer camp. He came to learn how to play soccer, and someone says, well, it's a sport. It's good enough. He's learning something. So what are we doing in the meetings? Are we teaching the steps? Are we giving someone an adequate representation of what a compulsive overeater is? Because if we do not know what we suffer from, why do we care what the solution is? Why would we care? So the power of any meeting, which is including vision for you, is are we carrying this message, the message of the seriousness of the disease, and the message of the miracle that we can recover. For many years, the message I heard was, if I did enough tools, if I went to enough meetings, that I could have the willpower to white-knuckle it through another day of abstinence and put my head on the, peel, on the pillow and say, thank God I was abstinent. When I came into a meeting that told me what I really suffered from and told me what the true solution was, and I heard that people could walk through these steps and not want their binge foods, I had never heard that. I had never heard that I could get to the point that I could be recovered and not want my binge food. And when I heard that true message and I grabbed onto it, that became my reality because the path was blazed before us. So let's ask ourselves individually. Let's ask ourselves in our meetings, in our inner groups, are we carrying the message of these 12 steps? After all, we are a 12-step program. And with that, I'm going to pass. And I'm going to ask Rakefit. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead here. Um, 
Okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rekefet please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Kim. This is Rekefet, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in this fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the, happy, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.